Does money cause you stress? When a new life situation arises, do you worry how that will affect your budget and cash flow? Managing money is not always easy, but learning how to plan, set, and adjust goals as needed can help keep stress to a minimum and your financial success on a steady course. Welcome to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential with host Debbie Peterson. Your future plan starts right here. Here's Debbie. Hello, this is Debbie Peterson at Money Counts, and we are doing our show called Unleashing Your Money's Hidden Potential, and our show is about trying to help you find ways to improve your cash flow. This week, we have a return guest, Stacy Kimry, who is a mortgage consultant, and she has been the uh, previous president of the North Carolina Mortgage Professionals Association and also served on their board for 12 years. And Stacy's going to talk to us today about pre-qualifying for a mortgage and as well as how to uh, understand and improve your credit score. I think everybody will enjoy hearing about that. I also have Nicole Maloney with me, who is an advisor with our company, and she will be asking questions if uh, she should come up with some that we haven't thought of yet. So hope you enjoy the show. If you would like to suggest topics for future shows or comment on ask or ask questions, please contact us at mcradio at moneycounts.biz. Thank you. Well, Debbie, thank you for having me back. And I am Stacy Kimry with Homeside Financial. And Debbie and I have worked together for over 10 years. So I think we have a pretty good understanding of how we both work together with her clients and with mine. So um, often a topic that comes up is pre-approval and what that means on a purchase side um, for a residential home. So um, there's a lot of different terminology out there, but um, typically what we hear is pre-qualification, pre-approval, and there's actually um, a big difference in the two. Um, Meaning may vary by lender, but typically a pre-qualification means someone has pulled the credit, has analyzed the credit, and then has taken the income and asset information for the application um, from the borrower. Um, and then analyze which program would be best based on the information that they were told. So that's a good source to get started to establish um, what you want to see as far as a price point and a monthly payment to make sure that that's within the budget and within the range of what you're looking for when you buy a new house. Um, Pre-approval is a step further where we actually gather pay stubs, tax returns, bank statements, and all the supporting documentation required to put in front of an underwriter, um, as well as running the um, information through our automated underwriting system to see what conditions may pop up and what problems or um, obstacles may be in our way for approval, for final approval of the loan. And um, the difference in the two would be when you submit an offer, typically um, your realtor would want to have a pre-approval letter or a pre-qualification letter, and that just tells the buyer, or the seller, excuse me, that you are pre-approved to buy that home. And in a multiple bid situation, as we're seeing a lot here in the market today, um, someone who's pre-approved can close much quicker because they've been through everything in the process except the contract and appraisal piece. Um, so oftentimes a quicker close can can win the deal over a higher bid, which is important. So um, 
that's the main difference between that. Um, How um, long is a pre-approval good for if you go through the process and you haven't really found what you want? Right. So the credit report is good for 120 days or four months, um, but the pre-approval is typically only good for 30 days because it's as relevant as the most recent um, pay stub or bank statement that we have. So if the credit report is still in good standing, then we would just need to get an updated pay stub or bank statement to refresh that pre-approval. Okay. But that's a great question. Um, and um, you want to be careful when you're having your credit pulled that you don't have it pulled by numerous um, folks. So one of the advantages, we pull the credit once and then kind of um, look at the market. We've got different investors in our own um, direct to Fannie Mae option. So um, that one credit report can be analyzed um, by different loan programs all at the same time with just one credit pull. So, so those count, does that count in a pre-qualification? Does it count as what they say is a hit against your credit? So yes, yeah, so it does count as a hard inquiry, which does affect your credit score. So um, that's why we tell people when they're applying for a mortgage, try not to have a lot of other big purchases going on, like shopping for a car um, or you know a boat, anything like that, that's gonna require multiple credit pulls because typically each inquiry is gonna pull the score down a little bit each time you have that done. And we want to, once we have a credit score, we want to try to maintain that credit score or improve it, not have it decrease over right. the term. Um, so, um, ways to apply. You can apply in person. We like to do an interview with the, with the client to see what their financial goals are so that we're making sure that the program that we're pairing them with fits their needs. Um, they can apply over the phone, which typically takes about 10 or 15 minutes to gather the information. And then we've also got online application links and even a phone application link. So um, try to make things easy and accessible technology-wise to all of our clients. Um, and then we kind of welcome through the process of how a purchase loan is made step-by-step. Step. So typically you'd want to be pre-qualified or pre-approved rather first is the, is the better way to go. Um, we then go through the loan search process, make sure we've got a good program that fits their needs. Um, if they need to discuss that with their financial planner, that's always a good idea to make sure everyone's on the same page. Um, we take that completed loan application and the supporting documentation um, and put it in front of an underwriter for the full pre-approval. And once we've got that, the only outstanding piece is going to be the contract and the appraisal for um, approval on our side, other than homeowner's insurance and title search and that sort of thing, um, which is the borrower's responsibility with the closing attorney. So once we have them pre-approved, they begin the hunt um, of finding that perfect home. And then once they found that home and are under contract, um, we get an appraisal on the property, which is our collateral for the mortgage. And um, we do a title search. The attorney does the title search for us to make sure that the title is clear. And there's no, no one going to come back to say that they owned the property 50 years ago and, and now are entitled to take it back. Um, we do, or the borrower can do a termite inspection and a home inspection just to make sure that the house is in good working order. Um, the appraisal tells the value, whereas the home inspection will tell you the condition more in depth of what's going on with the house, any kind of repairs that might creep up on them. Who typically pays for those services? So the borrower typically pays for those services. Um, the appraisal and the home inspection um, are paid when the work is done. Um, the home inspection is not required for the loan, but the appraisal is. So anything that's required that's a part of the closing cost that's quoted up front is credited to them at closing as already having paid that portion outside of closing. Um, if in the contract the seller agrees to pay a portion of closing costs on behalf of the buyer, 
they're certainly allowed to do so. It just depends on the program type as far as how much they're allowed to pay towards that. So that can be negotiated in the in the contract, in the deal. Um, so once the underwriter has reviewed the remainder of the information, then we have a full approval. Um, if there's mortgage insurance involved, we get a full approval from that underwriter as well. Um, and then the closing department um, contacts the closing attorney, works on the closing disclosure, which is required to be in the borrower's hands three days prior to closing. And then the closing takes place with a closing attorney or a title company. And um, once it's recorded, the loan funds, the borrower gets the keys, everybody's happy, congratulations. Awesome. <laughs> That's the smooth way. That's the way it should go. <laughs> there are some things that happen along the way. We just got to roll with the punches. Why is it always when you're getting down to the last couple of days that nobody can tell you exactly how much money you need to bring to closing? So, good question. Um, a lot of times at the very end of the process is when people are may have a quote for the homeowner's insurance, but they may change something to the policy that they were uh, planning on. Um, the title insurance, if the attorney has to do extra work in uh, securing the title or tracking down a deed that was not paid or something, a lien on the property. Um, so depending on what the tax department has, per diem interest through the day, we close you know, through the end of the month, um, that sort of thing. Those are negotiations or conversations that happen between the closing department and the attorney, closing attorney, to make sure everyone's on the same page. They need to get the payoff for the seller, and there's lots of moving parts right there at the very end that can impact to the penny. So we try to give a closing letter which tells them um, to our best estimate what we think the closing may be, and we always suggest that they reach out directly to the closing attorney for wiring instructions or to see if the closing attorney allows for a certified check. So um, because the attorney is the one who collects the funds and then disperses the funds and then records to make everything legal as far as the transfer of property. So. But they never seem to want to take a personal check, even if it's for a few dollars, because the, the amount changed. Is yeah, that still the, true? Well, it depends on the closing attorney. Some will take a personal check up to $500, some potentially more. Um, but a lot of it is because of the legality behind what they're allowed to do in a wet fund state to make sure that... Um, the funds are actually there in their trust account and that sort of thing, that they have the funds to disperse. There have been some bad apples that ruined it for the masses in the previous years, so now there's extra um, regulations as far as what everybody has to conform to to make sure the funds are there and, and ready to use and disperse. Okay. So um, what we look at when we're analyzing for approval, we're going to look for a two-year work history and with that, I know Debbie's got some um, clients that we've had to do some workarounds for some of this. Typically, we want to see somebody in the same line of work and the same type of pay. So even if someone is in the same line of work for two years, but they were a W-2 employee and have since become 1099, a 1099 employee, which is um, basically a self-employed employee, and we want to see definitely a two-year history of that. There are some workarounds for that as well if they've been in the same line of work. There are some more common sense approaches to underwriting depending on the program type. But typically the, the general rule is two years for self-employed and two years in the same line of work with the same type of pay. Um, Two-year residency history is something we also look at just to make sure that there's no payment shock or very limited payment shock especially if someone's um, debt ratio is pushing the limit on that program. We want to make sure that they're 
used to paying what they're going to be paying or close to it. If their debt ratio is not at their limit, then we've got a little more leeway as far as that's concerned. Um, we also collect two months bank statements to verify uh, the source of funds and make sure the funds are seasoned, meaning it's been in their account, it's their money, it's not money that they've gone out and borrowed um, in anticipation of using that for closing. So if it's gift funds, we need to track where the gift funds came from, from um, documentation to prove that everyone knows it's a gift and no sort of loan um, because down payment cannot be borrowed. So um, we also look at the contract and the appraisal to confirm that we've got the value for our collateral. And we look at credit worthiness, which is driven by the credit score. So we look at income for the ability to repay, and then we look at credit reports for the willingness to repay. And that brings us to do's and don'ts during the mortgage process. So continue to make payments on time because the credit score is checked at the beginning and then again at the end. So we want to make sure that any, um, any debts paid or continue to be paid on time. Um, we want to make sure that the borrower stays organized and keeps documentation and, and sources of documentation for tracking everything that we'll need. Um, and to notify your loan officer of any movement of funds that you have to make and preferably don't move funds around if you don't have to. Um, changes to employment, um, that's a great thing to discuss before you actually take that 1099 job, even though it may be a better deal, it may be better, may not be a great deal as far as purchasing the home. Um, any vacation or travel um, coming up just for needs for power of attorney, things like that at closing. Um, name changes, we find a lot of people getting married and having life changes at the same time of buying a house. Be preferable if you could do those separate, but you know, can't always handle that. So there's Should names. Let you know, right? <laughs> well, by the way, I'm yeah. getting married uh -huh. or divorced. Right, or... <laughs> right. And then um, some of the don'ts: don't apply for new credit and have your credit pulled a bunch of times because that could significantly impact in a negative way your credit score. Um, Co-signing for in anyone would bring on new debt. Make any any large purchases to bring on any new debt. Um, employment or compensation changes, and then um, depositing cash or untrackable sources of funds is a big no-no too because we've got to, for money laundering bills, make sure we yes. have source and season for where the money comes from, what accounts it's transferred from and to, and all of that. How does a student loan uh, for one of your children impact your credit score? So it can impact your credit score greatly. So it depends on if you're a co-signer or a co-borrower on that loan. Um, but typically, if we can prove that the child is paying for that loan, then um, for a good 12 months, then we can typically um, take that out of the debt ratio income, I mean, debt ratio qualifying. If the loan is deferred, so if they're still in school and we've got the student loans out there, um, most programs require 1% of the loan balance as monthly payment. Um, to qualify in the debt ratio. So that can impact you significantly. So um, co-signing for student loans for where the students still in school um, even have to be counted against them even though the loan is in deferment and not being charged at that time. Is there a similar rule for the difference between co-signing or co-borrowing uh, for a car? There is. So same type thing. We have to have a 12-month history of payments, canceled checks that the um, the other co-signer is the one making the payment and not our borrower to be able to not count that against them. So 
Great question. So be careful when you're making arrangements with other people about letting them tag along on your credit because it can hurt you later when you want to do some things on your own. And co-signing, even if you're co-signing for someone else or if someone is co-signing for you, we found um, that a lot of parents who co-sign for their children on a loan may think they're only indebted for half of the house when you're actually indebted for the entire mortgage um, and you're entitled to have the mortgage. So it's, I mean, an entire uh, property. So it's not a half situation just because you go in half on the loan. So, Okay. Well, that was a lot of good information, I think, in just a short period of time. Stacy's going to be talking to us again after the break, and we're going to continue on with some of the issues with credit scores and also kind of what a credit score is and when it's most important to be aware of it. I think when I was growing up, you weren't even allowed to know what your FICO score was if you were applying for a mortgage, and now everybody seems to be very competitive about them. So there's been a big change in the industry about how and when they're used, and sometimes they're used to incent us to behave in a certain way, but it might not be the best thing for you to do. So you want to not make all of your decisions based on what your credit score is, but based on what your needs are and then how your credit score factors into that. But certainly when you're getting ready to make a big purchase or request a a larger loan for something like a home or a car, you want to be sure that uh, your credit score is in good shape and not have any surprises when you first get started. And we'll go over in the next segment about um, how people monitor their credit online and what that means in a consumer credit world versus a mortgage credit world or an auto credit world. Because there's a big difference in that. Good. Which I think a lot of people are unaware of. So they may think they're credit ready on what they're seeing online and what we're seeing may be a different situation. That's right. good to know. Yes, and we are also in um, conjunction with credit. We are hoping to have a show uh, in the next few weeks that will focus on how to protect your identity also because those are pretty much intertwined with each other these days and there's a lot more opportunity to have an issue on that than there used to be. So we will be back after the break. This is Debbie, Nicole, and Stacy. Stacy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm mind blank there. And we'll be back in a few minutes. Thank you. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Think of Money Counts as your financial GPS. Our four-step process helps you discover, assess, build, and implement a strategic plan for your financial future. Our advisors will help you understand how to unleash the hidden potential of your money and obtain more of what you want with the money you already have. Life's milestones, getting married, having a child, buying a home, changing jobs, and ultimately retirement often cause the need to rearrange your financial focus. Money Counts can help you manage your money, allowing you to manage other parts of your life. Call us today at 704-315-5623 or visit us on the web at moneycounts.biz to learn more about our services. At Money Counts, our passion is helping you unleash your money's hidden potential. Again, visit moneycounts.biz or call us at 704-315-5623. Money Counts, Inc. is an independent firm with securities offered through Summit Broker Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Summit Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Money Counts, Inc. is located at 11121 Carmel Commons Boulevard, Suite 355. 
1-800-273-1025. Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. Phone number 704-315-5623. How is your company's marketing plan? Could it use a little help? For most businesses, the answer is yes. Tune in each week to Marketing That Won't Break the Bank. Host Janet Kunst and her guests will show you how and where to bring your marketing to the next level. Each show will feature action strategies that you can implement right away and see results. We'll make this easy for you. Start by tuning in every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential with host Debbie Peterson. If you have a question or comment about the program, please visit our Facebook page or visit moneycounts.biz. You're welcome to submit any and all questions or comments to MC Radio at moneycounts.biz. That website again is moneycounts.biz. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back. We are doing our program, Unleashing Your Money's Hidden Potential, looking for ideas for you where you may be able to rearrange your cash flow and better direct money towards your goals. Uh, Stacy Kimry is with us today, as well as Nicole Maloney. I'm Debbie Peterson. And this segment, we are going to talk about uh, what comprises your credit score and then how you can improve, improve it. And Stacy's going to give us some tips on that. Thanks, Stacy. Thank you for having me. Again, I'm Stacy Kimry with Homeside Financial. And um, so credit scores are a big topic these days, and people are all um, wanting to monitor their credit scores. There's identity theft going on, and there's situations of different industries that lend or lean on credit score in making a lending decision. So it's more becoming more prevalent in the insurance world. It's always been, I think, since it started, prevalent in the mortgage world, in auto lending industry, credit cards, that kind of thing. So um, it's kind of a, a, a hidden mystery out there is what makes up a credit score. So this is pretty much, um, this is definitely in the mortgage world and, and should follow the suit for both consumer credit and auto lending as well. But for the mortgages anyway, what makes up a credit score? Um, payment history is 35% of your score. And I like to say it's only 35% of your score because a lot of people think that's 100% of what's going on. So they're afraid when they've had um, derogatory credit or missed payments that their credit score has taken a hit for life. And it definitely will impact your score for sure, but it's not the be all end all. It only makes up 35% of the actual 100% of the score. So we try to look at different the other areas um, that impact your score that we can change or um, uh, adjust to help improve your situation. And then we also look at credit reports 
to try to see um, how many inaccuracies there are that need to be corrected and help you to make those corrections that will improve your score. So beyond payment history, balances carried makes up 30% of the score. So if you have a credit limit of $1,000 on a credit card and you have a credit balance of $990, um, that's not going to be as good as if your balance was only $500. So when you are maxed out on your accounts, that will definitely impact your credit score. So balances carried um, is a big deal and something to be concerned about. So um, there's different ways that you can um, adjust that, and we'll go through that on ways to improve your credit score at the end. Um, another um, impact is credit history. So this is the length of history on your account makes up 15%. So when you started that account and when it ended, makes a difference. So a lot of people get into credit situations where they think that they need to close out their credit and that will actually decrease your score because um, it puts a, a beginning and an end to that history on the credit line. So um, once you've got a credit account opened, it's best to leave it open from what we found on most credit scoring models um, and just, you know, not use the account, cut up the card, whatever you need to do, monitor your credit to make sure no one else is using that account if you're not, but to keep the longevity of that credit line open because that will improve your score over time. Um, mix of accounts is a good thing, and that means um, an auto loan or an, uh, some other type of installment loan um, is good to have in addition to revolving credit. And then a mortgage in the mortgage industry carries the most weight as far as a credit score goes. Um, it's typically your largest account, um, largest balance, and payment. So um, the order in which you pay those back typically is going to be um, affecting your score depending on who's lending the money. So if you don't pay your mortgage back, it's going to greatly impact your mortgage credit score. If you don't pay your car back, it's going to greatly impact your auto uh, credit reporting score. Um, and then consumer credit is going to be checking the revolving credit cards and that kind of thing. Um, so you want to be wary of that. So um, the online access to checking your credit report is going to be more along the lines of a consumer credit check that the revolving trade lines would use. So um, some of the different entities out there, Credit Karma and the different ones, um, the trends should follow suit for your mortgage score, but not point for point or actual you know, exact score may not be the same between the two. So when so many credit cards are offering free credit scores and things, mm -hmm. are they coming from one place or are they coming from different places? Do you know? It just depends. And some of them, you know, it typically if, it, if you're getting a credit increase from a card you already have, um, that is usually a soft pull, which should not affect your score and as an inquiry. Typically a hard inquiry, you have to authorize for them to do that. Um, however, credit bureaus are often selling credit information to different creditors. So if one creditor um, raises your balance or your credit score improves, um, there are different creditors out there buying that information and then will solicit you for uh, new credit card opportunities based on that information. And then they'll get your authorization to do a hard pull to see how high the credit line can go and that sort of thing. If it's not a major credit card and it's one of the store cards, mm -hmm. which typically charge much higher interest, mm -hmm. does it also hurt as much to close one of those or should you just let it be dormant? Just let it be dormant in any situation is what we have found. So um, any, any card, like even the store cards are backed by a larger entity. 
So it's going to be the same situation as if you had a card from that entity. So um, it may not have that entity's name on it, but you'll see when you make your statement who the, who the ultimate payee is. So um, it's important not to close any of those out if you can help it. And what if they keep giving you more and more credit so you have this unusually high amount of credit available? Does that ever come back to haunt you? It can, but typically because the information is sold online, the creditors are not sharing that information and not raising your limit. So that's where we see inaccuracies on a credit report a lot of times where the limit has been raised, but they haven't informed the credit bureaus of that because if they do, someone will buy that information and solicit their client. So they may have raised the line that you can see on your statement, but they may not be sharing that with the credit bureaus, which could negatively impact your credit score. Hmm. So, interesting. Yeah. And so these are general, um, <clears throat> excuse me, general percentages on how things are looked at. What about the different credit reporting agencies? I know if you like get Equifax or Experian or I'm drawing TransUnion, TransUnion mm-hmm. on the last one, mm-hmm. do you have a different score oftentimes for the same person? Aren't they analyzing the same information? They are. So, and then the last 10% is inquiries and that comes into play with the three different bureaus that you're talking about. Okay. So, um, there are three different credit bureaus as Nicole mentioned, and it costs the creditors to report to the different credit bureaus. So someone who is, um, typically Equifax seems to be more relevant on the East coast with TransUnion in the middle and Experian on the West coast. So, um, Blazer Financial or someone who only lends typically or mostly lends typically to clients on the West Coast may only report to Experian, whereas, you know, a local department store like Belks may only report to Equifax because most of their um, creditors live or most of their um, clients live in this area. So that's going to be the most indicative score. So typically we'll see Equifax in this area being the most indicative score, but to be fair, um, people are moving in and out of this area all the time, so we take the middle of the three scores to be um, the one that we use as far as judgment of lending. Um, certain uh, credit unions and uh, second mortgage lenders may rely primarily on one uh, bureau more than another, and oftentimes in this area it is Equifax because it seems to be the most um, commonly reported to and used for this area. So, oh, good yeah. to know. And there's different 800 numbers for each of those to contact with inaccuracies because just because you correct something on one doesn't mean it's going to follow through to the others because it won't. You have to contact each individually. I I remember you've mentioned to me before that sometimes when you're trying to correct something, you make it worse because it re-ages it. Uh Is that still an issue? Yes. Well, um, um, go over that on collections and charge-offs. That's coming up. Um, But... Um, you want to make sure that if you've got a collection that's old, the more age that happens from any derogatory event, whether it be a late payment or a collection, time heals all wounds kind of thing. So the, the amount of time that passes between that negative event and when the credit is pulled um, is going to improve the score over time. Um, paying off a collection um you know, you certainly, we don't want to discourage that. You can if you want to. But what we say during the mortgage process is to allow everything to be as consistent as possible from the time that you apply from to the time that you close, unless something is required for you to be done by the underwriter. Because a lot of times, if you pay off an old collection that potentially is a medical collection that's still being disputed with your insurance company or something like that, um, it may bring it to a zero balance, but it updates it to a current reporting status 
which can actually bring down your score instead of improve it. So um, we are not the credit experts on that, but the underwriter lets us know what needs to be paid off and is required, which is what we want to follow. So, and um, to your point, um, Nicole, you're talking about inquiries. So, there, and Debbie, you wanted to know what inquiries maybe didn't hurt the score. So, um, those soft pulls that we were talking about, if you already have a creditor and they just want to increase your limit, that should not, as long as it's going to be a soft pull, should not decrease your score. Um, job related inquiries should not hurt your score. Um, insurance and utilities. So, if you're shopping for different health insurance or life insurance, they may be relying relying on credit score for their lending, but um, for insuring, but it should not hurt your score when they pull it. Um, utilities, sometimes you have to have your credit pulled to, to gain utilities in your name. All those, and then any kind of free annual credit reports online, um, they'll let you know that it should not affect your credit score when they inquire on that. Um, and then, you know, blemishes to your credit report can be costly because it will affect um, higher interest rates typically in any industry that you're shopping for, whether it be auto loans, credit cards, mortgage loans, it can affect insurance premiums. So you always want to be careful in monitoring your credit report to make sure that those payments are made on time. The credit report is going to monitor loans that are more than 30 days late. So it'll list loans that are 30, 60, 90 days late, and even beyond. So um, you want to try to pay it on time, first of all, is the best goal. Um, but if you can't make it on time, to make it as quickly as you can within that 30-day window and make the, uh, the payment for the, the late payment penalty as well. And then um, steps to increase your credit score. Um, we've got several options on that. Um, looking at past due accounts, um, you want to pay those up to date as quickly as possible to make sure you catch those up and are not past due currently because that could drastically affect your credit score. Um, getting rid of late payments, I know there's a lot of um, credit help agencies and that sort of thing that will dispute things on your behalf, but those can often be um, detrimental in applying for a mortgage because we have to remove those disputes. It, it falsely, um, it's like a false positive for the credit score. It, it doesn't factor that into the equation for the credit score. So once we remove those disputes, if they're not settled, it can bring the credit score down to where it actually would be um, when it's taken into account. So um, if we can get rid of late payments because it was not actually late, that's one thing. If we're just disputing a bunch of things, hoping that something um, doesn't get answered um, in a timely manner and falls off the credit report, that's not something that's going to be a life-lasting improvement to the credit score. So we want to be careful about that. Um, and then having credit limits increased, I know that's a, a touchy situation because you don't want to have too much credit where you get yourself into trouble um, by having access to too much credit. But um, at the same time, if the creditor has already increased your limit and just not told the credit bureau about it, we want to inform the credit bureaus of that so that the ratio on the, um, on the account is correct, which can actually improve your score. And then what we talked about, Debbie, about not closing out accounts. So keeping the account open longer can be beneficial because of that credit history piece. So we want to have the credit line available for credit history usage um, on the score. Whether the user or not, cut it up, that's okay. You know, use some kind of monitoring system. Um, but don't close out the account. It will actually say on the credit report, closed by creditor, 
which is when they close it because they realize you're not using it or because there's been some sort of delinquency, or it'll say closed by the um, consumer, which tells the credit scoring model that you don't trust yourself with credit. So we want to make sure that we try to keep any of those accounts active and um, not close them out. Okay. So uh, I had a question about auto loans. I recently was able to get into a situation where I don't have any anymore, and then I got a notice from my credit report that said my score had dropped because I no longer could prove that I was good at handling installment loans. And I thought that was pretty silly because I've had silly. them for 40 years. Yeah, that is silly. <laughs> and you don't want to keep a constant car payment. I mean, oh, no. so I just wondered if that's something typical or, you know, what. That's not something typical that we see, but we're looking at it for you know, a 30-day period when we're applying for uh, the mortgage loan. So we're not seeing something happen over time where that may affect your credit score. We're just looking at that quick 30 or 60 or 90-day window. So um, I have not seen that adversely affect someone, but I can see that it might. But a lot of the credit scoring rules and, and why things affect your credit score may not make sense to us. Um, but once we start delving into it, we see that there's like we talked about before, some bad apple that's that's tainted the situation where everyone is, is paying for that bad decision that someone made. So, I believe they've changed a little bit of, of the rules about when a late payment is determined to be late on the credit cards, that they don't report them as early as they used to if you're like a day late or, you know, a couple days late. It used to be that was a big deal. Right. So, yeah, and if, if you're a couple days late, like I said, if you're, you know, as long as you're not within that 30-day window, it's not reported to the credit bureau as an actual late. Um, but you want to make sure you make the late payment um, penalty when you make your payment to make sure that's all covered and doesn't carry over to the next month. Um, and then, you know, certain creditors are allowing online payments to go through and be processed that day over the phone payments and that sort of thing. So it just depends on your creditor and what they want to see. Okay. Well, thank you for that information. And we'll be back for our last segment in a few minutes here. And uh, if you would like to reach Nicole or Stacy or me, you can look at, on our uh, Voice America page and we will have our contact information on there for you. Thank you. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Think of Money Counts as your financial GPS. Our four-step process helps you discover, assess, build, and implement a strategic plan for your financial future. Our advisors will help you understand how to unleash the hidden potential of your money and obtain more of what you want with the money you already have. Life's milestones, getting married, having a child, buying a home, changing jobs, and ultimately retirement often cause the need to rearrange your financial focus. Money Counts can help you manage your money, allowing you to manage other parts of your life. Call us today at 704-315-5623 or visit us on the web at moneycounts.biz to learn more about our services. At Money Counts, our passion is helping you unleash your money's hidden potential. Again, visit moneycounts.biz or call us at 704-315-5623. Money Counts, Inc. is an independent firm with securities offered through Summit Broker Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC, advisory services offered through Summit Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Money Counts, Inc. is located at 11121 Carmel Commons Boulevard, Suite 355. Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. Phone number 704-315-5623. 
Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential with host Debbie Peterson. If you have a question or comment about the program, please visit our Facebook page or visit moneycounts.biz. You're welcome to submit any and all questions or comments to mcradio at moneycounts.biz. That website again is moneycounts.biz. Now back to this week's program. Hello, this is Debbie Peterson of Money Counts. You are listening to Unleashing Your Money's Hidden Potential. And I am here with Nicole Maloney from Money Counts, who is another advisor in our company, and Stacy Kimry of Homeside Financial, who is our mortgage guest speaker for the day, who's been helping us learn about different things we should be considering when we are trying to get credit, whether it's for a house or learning more about our credit scores. And uh, she's about to talk a little bit more about that with us. And if you should have any questions or comments and you'd like to refer them to us, you can email us at mcradio at moneycounts.biz and we will be happy to get back in contact with you to answer your questions or schedule time for a conversation. Thank you, Debbie, for having me on again. And we had talked a little bit about what makes up a credit score and um, inaccuracies and ways to improve a credit score. But I think I kind of skipped over what is a credit score range and what's a good credit score. So um, in our previous um, show, we talked about how credit scores impact different loan programs. And credit scores range anywhere from 350 to 850. I think the lowest I've ever seen has been a 452. So there's no such thing as zero. Huh? Uh, there's no such thing as in our world. Um, and the highest I've ever seen is an 832. And that gentleman was about 88 years old and had had credit since I think he very first could get credit. So length of history is a big part of that that we talked about and why you don't want to close out credit. Um, 
and then mix of accounts is important. But the credit score ranges can affect the loan program type as far as the mortgage world on um, what your interest rate is going to be. And on a conventional loan, because it's risk-based pricing based on credit score, which um, alludes to your willingness to repay, whereas income is your ability to repay, on credit scores, the the willingness to repay is very important as well, because if someone were to lose their job or have a change in employment or have a life-changing event, um, we want to make sure that our loan is paid back uh-huh. and not dropping it. And so typically, since it's the home you're living in, it's going to be um, one of the main focus and priorities for payment. Um, but um, a lot of times investment properties, that may not be the case. So we always look at willingness to repay based on credit score. And in the conventional world, about every 20 points can make a different tier of credit. So typically like a 760 and above might be a tier one and then 740 to 760 um, tier two. And it's, it's not specifically called, you know, tier one, two, three, and four across the industry. It depends on the investor or the bank that you're working with. Um, but typically every 20 points makes up a difference in what will be allowed and not allowed. Um, as far as depth of credit score, the government insured loans typically allow for a lower credit score than most, but you'll see 550s, 580s, somewhere in that range being the bottom. Some have a 600 or a 620 limit, depending on if it's a credit union and what their constituents and what their shareholders want to allow for. So. Um, range of credit score can be important, and that's why we talk about different loan programs, whereas one program may be more sensitive to credit score and one might not be so credit score driven. So we try to encompass all that in the big picture when we're designing the best loan for your client. So we talked a little bit about ways to improve the score on um, collections and um, limits that may be reported online and uh, the balance to limit ratio, which can be important. Um, but we didn't talk about tax liens and judgments and public records that can show up, and those can be uh, detrimental to credit as well. So a tax lien, once it's posted, affects your credit score. Once it's cleared, it typically will not improve your score, but it would have to be paid prior to obtaining a mortgage loan because most tax liens and judgments can supersede a mortgage, and when we're in first position, we like to... Is that income taxes or real estate taxes or either one? Either one, any kind of any kind of tax lien where the IRS is involved, they kind of like to be in front of any lien out there. They like to go first, yeah. and um, so that would affect our ability to foreclose or any mortgage lender's ability to foreclose. So, um, typically, tax liens will need to be settled or on some sort of payment plan. And the different programs, as far as income taxes being paid, um, you can establish a payment plan. Some programs you cannot, so it just depends. Um, some you have to have a history of 12 months versus three months. So, again, it just depends on the situ- perfect situation. Um, judgments can also be um, an effect as far as if it's a judgment based on residency history in the past, if it's an apartment complex that has filed for a judgment, can speak to housing history and housing payment history specifically. So that's something we're going to take a hard look at. Um, but most judgments will need to be paid prior to closing as well. Um, So on that, we lean on underwriting to let us know specifically what has to be paid or what documentation we'll need to get that cleared and off the credit report. And if it will benefit the credit report, we have the option to rescore. So if if you have anything corrected on your credit report, um, you want to get something in writing from the creditor 
as to proof that it's paid, and then um, it needs to have the borrower's name, some portion of the account number, um, the new balance or that it's a zero balance and has been paid, and the URL at the bottom to show that you didn't create it on a Word document so that we can get that into the credit bureaus and um, rescore. So if you allow the creditors to send it into the bureaus on their own, it can take 60 to 90 days, whereas we can get a rescore done in about seven business days, which can help. Have you purchased ready much sooner or help keep the loan on track for that closing date that's specified in the contract? Nice. And uh, bankruptcies and foreclosures affect your credit score as well. Um, there's you know, a difference in the type of bankruptcy. So a Chapter 13, which is typically where you're paying those, de those creditors back at a lesser amount, um, shows willingness to repay the debt even though you declare bankruptcy. So those don't have as long of a wait period as, say, a Chapter 7 would, where most of the debt is completely written off and walked away from. So um, the waiting period between when the discharge happens and when you can purchase a home varies by loan program as well. So I hate to not be specific on answers, but it would be a 10-hour conversation. What do you think <laughs> of the services that say they can improve your credit? Uh, would you suggest somebody go to one of those before they came to talk to a mortgage lender, or would you suggest that the lender can probably advise them on what's best if what their main goal is to purchase a house? So for our um, specific experience with it, it's been better for them to come to us first just because there are a lot of credit repair agencies out there that are consolidating debt, which can be much along the same lines of a Chapter 13, where they're taking bankruptcy, where they're taking um, debt and negotiating for a percentage of that debt, a lesser payment, and then consolidating that into one payment. So it looks a lot like a Chapter 13 bankruptcy and can be considered as such by the underwriter. So if that's a situation, we may be able to structure a refinance or structure a different situation for them where they can repay those debts and not have it detrimental to their credit report like a bankruptcy would be. And then there are some agencies out there that, as I say, will you know have an attorney on site to, to fight on your behalf to help clear up inaccuracies. But a lot of times those may just be disputing letters, which mask that actual credit score that we would need to have removed prior to moving forward on the loan. And then once the, the real credit score taken into those, those accounts into the equation, um, can detrimentally impact whether you can buy that house or not. So we want to be careful about that. And then we um, have a credit analyst team which looks at the credit score when we take the loan application to see what inaccuracies we can find and help with and um, what suggestions they would make as far as improving your credit score on the other 65% that we spoke about that makes up your credit score. Great. Have you had any situations where somebody did try to use one of those services and it really damaged their credit score significantly so that you couldn't work with them for a while? We have had that happen. It depends on the entity and um, and it's just we have a due diligence to our, um, our credit union that backs us and to the investors that we deal with that we're not trying to do a quick fix where we just have someone disputing their credit and it's removed for a 30 day quick 30 day period because the creditor didn't respond in time. And then the creditors allowed to place that that debt back on the credit report 30 days later because that's not a life-ending fix. That's someone trying to trick the system to have something temporarily removed, okay. which is not um, not 
a permanent fix, which affects our due diligence for our investors. So, All right. Was there anything else you'd like to share with us today? Um, foreclosures and short sales, those are always uh, important where you think it's been discharged, but certain programs, depending on if the bank took it back, when the bank sold it. So you may have released the property last or two years ago, three years ago, but if they just sold it last week, your wait time may have started last week. Hmm. So you need to let us know so that we can track it through the property exchange to make sure when the deed was transferred and see which program would best suit or fit the situation for that. But you do have some programs we that we can use for that. We do. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of flexibility out there just depending on what your needs are and the only way to figure out unless you have a very high credit score and a substantial income to figure out if you could qualify is to come and see someone such as yourself to find out what types of programs might be available. We would love that. We open um, welcome out to anyone who wants to call us about that, who's looking for a home. And we can pinpoint if you're not purchase ready right now, when potentially a time frame would be that you could be purchase ready, which, you know, goes to the importance of pre-qualification to know if you're ready um, to get started now so that you can tackle that credit repair work and be ready when the time comes. Okay. Well, this is uh, Debbie Peterson again, and we would like to have you go check us out on the business channel of Voice America. Our show is called Money Counts, Unleashing Your Money's Hidden Potential, and you'll be able to listen to earlier episodes. And if you'd like to reach us, with uh, suggestions for new shows or questions or concerns that we could address for you. Uh, please find our contact information there. And again, Stacy Kimry was our guest today, helping us out with the mortgages. And both of us are licensed in many states, so please feel free to call us or contact us from wherever you're located, and we will make sure that you get some of the help that you need. We will talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential. Be sure to join host Debbie Peterson again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of our show. Opinions expressed are those of the speaker and are not endorsed by the named broker, dealer, or its affiliates. All information has been prepared solely for informational purposes and is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. Certain statements offered are forward-looking, including but not limited to statements that are predictions of or indicate future events, trends, plans, or objectives. Undue reliance should not be placed on such statements because by their nature, they are subject to known and unknown risks and uncertainties. The information provided is not intended as tax or legal advice. You are encouraged to seek tax or legal advice from an independent professional advisor. Money Counts, Inc. is an independent firm with securities that are offered through registered representatives of Summit Brokerage Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Summit Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Summit Brokerage Services, Inc. and Summit Financial Group, Inc. are separate and unrelated to any other named entity. Debbie Peterson is a registered investment advisor located at 11121 Carmel Commons Boulevard, Suite 355, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. Phone number is 704-315-5623.